Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. There is no such thing as a case of the Mondays when you're out on the range. It's high noon for Monday, June 14th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also occasionally find me on Gab at I'm your moderator and the merch site is www.cancelcotour.com. And if you haven't gone to that site, I really think you should. And it's not just like so that you can buy something I made, which gives me money. Although, of course, that's nice because I essentially do this for free. But it's actually because I think that the stuff on there is pretty damn funny. This weekend, I made a pandemic segregation tour t-shirt for the Foo Fighters. I mean, the flu fighters. I've got to say, it's pretty good. So just go have a look. And if I'm wrong, hey, never look again. Today is the 145th day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist, dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. 
You all pretended to be victims for so long that you actually convinced yourself you were. And that the only solution was to promote someone to the office of fake president who is so old, so incompetent and so evil that maybe he'd be the guy to save all of the victims who somehow have it even worse than you. But you were wrong about the whole being a victim part. Okay, commies, you're not victims. Most of you exist in Los Angeles and San Francisco and Chicago and New York. Where you live in communities of people that are segregated so that they look like you, act like you, talk like you and think like you. But you pretend to be really close, to have a very deep personal connection with the problems of average Americans. And you must, of course, because you're a victim, too. And since you have that close connection, you know that the thing that will uplift average Americans is if you go out and vote for a man who was mentored by a Klansman. That's what you did, commies. It would actually be really great if you could just admit that and own that in the midst of calling everyone else racist. You voted for someone who was mentored by a Klansman. Just admit it. Hey, who'd you vote for in the 2020 election? Oh, yeah, I voted for the old demented guy who was mentored by a Klansman. Oh, really? Why'd you do that? Oh, to solve racism, of course. Don't you know that white supremacy is the biggest threat to the entire world? And if I didn't step up and cure racism, who was going to? That's right. No one. It was me. I cured it. I'm a hero. You're welcome. You see, the thing you don't understand is that Joe Biden is actually the good kind of person who was mentored by a Klansman. He's not like one of those bad racist people who just grows up in a place that I don't know about. And they talk about God a lot and they want people to actually have IDs to vote. Not like that kind of racist. But before we spend too much more time on how pathetic and embarrassing Joe Biden is, I just want to extend a warm Monday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies. Welcome to the show. I know you're probably only listening to this as a favor to the friend who's, let's be honest, much smarter than you. But I hope that you stick around through the entire episode, despite the fact that I will inevitably mock and ridicule some of your most deeply held beliefs. The thing I want you to realize is the fact that you don't actually deeply hold any of those beliefs. And if you did, you'd be able to explain them to other people and then have conversations about them like a normal person without getting extremely angry and running away or calling that person a racist. So as long as you can get through that, we're good. Might hurt a little bit just for a second. 
But the truth is those ideas in your head are really, really stupid and evil. And they deserve to be mocked and ridiculed. And we don't hate you, okay? We just hate the ideas. Because right now, all of you are busy propping up the illegitimate usurpation of the White House, which then supports the global communist agenda. And what we see right now with that is every bit as evil as the Nazis in World War II. And that's what you're supporting, Kami. So if you're redeemable, open your mind, understand what people like me are telling you and that it's true, and then just immigrate back to America. Come on back. We will welcome you. Got to leave the commie ideas behind because none of us want anything to do with this heinous, evil bullshit that you guys have been peddling for at least a decade. Just let it go. Come on back. Let all that stuff go. And you'll be so welcome. Everyone will be so proud of you. It'll be a bright, shining moment for you. And then you can actually go back to hanging out with people who care about you rather than the friends you have now who use you as an accessory. It really is better over here, commies. Trust me. Joe Biden was at the G7 this weekend, and it was absolutely as embarrassing, if not more embarrassing, than watching Kamala Harris go to the Northern Triangle because Joe Biden is such an illegitimate, bumbling, demented old moron that every single movement and word he speaks projects American weakness. Emmanuel Macron told Joe Biden that he was very happy to be working with someone who is part of the club and that leadership actually comes through partnership. That is completely, obviously, definitionally not true, (laughs) right? Joe Biden going along with the global communist agenda that the rest of the G7 nations are going along with is not leadership. Trump doing the opposite of what they're doing and trying to show them and the world that that is the proper direction to be going in, that's leadership. Doing what everyone else wants you to do cannot ever Be leadership. Unless I suppose as a leader, you came up with two great options and then let the people decide what they wanted. And then you did that thing. I guess I could see an argument there. But otherwise, being Joe Biden going to Europe and being told what the United States is now going to do as a partner of these far smaller, weaker, poorer countries 
That's not leadership. And if you think what I'm saying is crazy about Joe Biden supporting the global communist agenda, here's a clip from a press conference that he mumbled and stumbled and bumbled his way through yesterday. The final language in the G7 communique does have some mentions of China, which is different from past years. But I know it's not as tough as you and your team wanted it to be. Yes, Joe Biden was going to go so hard on China and the rest of the G7 leaders watered it down. Joe Biden was probably leading on that issue, in fact, but decided that it was better to be a partner with the other G7 leaders rather than actually do something about the fact that the Chinese Communist Party has concentration camps and created the COVID crisis. We saw we saw a draft of the communique, and it's not quite as tough. So why isn't it as tough? There isn't very much action in it. There's some calls for China to be respectful. But why isn't that communique a little bit tougher? Are you disappointed in that? And what can you do to change some of these um, actions by China? Now, this probably counts as a tough question for Biden. And even within this tough question, the reporter is still trying to pre-sugarcoat Biden's eventual answer. She basically said, hey, there's not much action in this communique. It's basically just you guys saying China is so bad. (laughs) Do you really think that saying China is bad is enough? Well, first of all, um, I think it, uh, as you know, uh, last time the G7 met, there was no mention of China. Um, But this time there is mention of China. The G7 explicitly agreed to call out human rights abuses in Xinjiang and in Hong Kong. Got that? Last time we didn't talk about China, so now we are. You can see how much tougher we're being. And we can show you how tough we're being by the fact that we called out human rights abuses in Xinjiang and Hong Kong. The human rights abuses are concentration camps and annexing what was supposed to be a free place. You know, the sort of stuff that could be fixed with a good, strong call out. Explicitly. Two, to coordinate a common strategy to deal with China non-market policies that undermine competition. They've agreed, and that's underway now, how to do that. Amazing, right? We said we were going to do something. So the thing that we decided to do is say that China's very bad and then hope that we will figure out a way to handle it. We all agreed that eventually we're going to have to think up a way to say that we're going to think up a new way to handle China. And so that's exactly what we did. We said multiple things. Three, to take serious actions against forced labor uh, in solar agriculture and the garment industries, because that's where it's happening. And they've agreed we will do that. To launch uh, what I said earlier, I, I, I really feel very strongly. I propose that we have a, a democratic alternative to uh, the Belt and Road Initiative, the Build Back Better. 
And there we have it. That right there is conclusive proof that Joe Biden, from his position of weakness and illegitimacy, is totally joining the United States to the global communist agenda. He literally just said it. We need a democratic alternative to the Belt and Road Initiative. Now, the Belt and Road Initiative is China's push to take over the world eventually, but as of right now, parts of the world by building up infrastructure and trade routes that they will control. So they'll invest all of this money into places like Italy and Iran and parts of Africa. And in return for all that money they spent, China reaps all the rewards. But we're going to pretend it's very good for those nations. And as long as we pretend that that's only good for China, then what we need is an alternative to that plan. And so our alternative to that plan is the Build Back Better plan which is 100% the Davos global communist agenda. They want this now across the entire world. They want the G7 nations to participate in the same sorts of programs. But don't worry, it's not about communism or world domination. And the way you know that is because they call it democratic. And every time you use the word democratic, all of a sudden it means that this is what all the people actually want. Especially the people like the 50 or so million who actually voted for Joe Biden. And then the other 25 or 30 million who didn't actually vote for Joe Biden, but had votes for Joe Biden. When they use the word democratic, they're basically just saying, hey, this thing is okay because it's us doing it. So what is Build Back Better? Because we hear it a lot, right? This is from WhiteHouse.gov. This is directly from the fake administration's agenda, their public agenda. Build Back Better. American Rescue Plan. Passed. American Jobs Plan. In Progress. American Families Plan introduced. And isn't it great that they put the word American in all these things to actually make it seem like it's supposed to help America? I wonder if all the other countries signed on to the Build Back Better agenda advertise this heinous nonsense as good for their countries as well. I bet they do. Here's what they say about the Build Back Better agenda. Make no mistake, America has been knocked down. Millions have lost jobs, hours, pay, health care, or the small business they started through no fault of their own. That's correct. It was your fault, Joe Biden. It was your fault, World Economic Forum. It was your fault, CCP. It was your fault, G7. It was your fault, global communism. You guys did this to the world. No one else. The disease didn't cause this. These people caused this. This is their plan. They are happy about this. Even before COVID-19, too many families were struggling to make ends meet and too many parents were worried about the economic future for their children. Well, that's weird. So these problems existed before COVID, but now because of COVID, 
We need to change society completely to fix them. Got it. I wonder how these problems came about before. I wonder if it was through the governance of people exactly like this. Hmm. It's a mystery. And black and Latino Americans, Native Americans, immigrants and women have never been welcomed as full participants in the economy. What? If black America were its own nation, it would be the in the top 20 of nations in the world in GDP. That's amazing. You're telling me that black America is not somehow welcomed into the American economy. That's insane. And women, women aren't welcome into the American economy. Women do most of the retail purchasing in this country. In a major way, women are the economy in America. This is absolute, complete communist nonsense. This is just propaganda. President Biden believes this is no time to just build back to the way things were before with the old economy's structural weaknesses and inequality still in place. This is the moment to reimagine and rebuild an American economy for our families and the next generation. Oh, gosh, it's so hopeful. Build Back Better is President Biden's three-part agenda to rescue, recover, and rebuild the country. It includes three plans, the American Rescue Plan, the American Jobs Plan, and the American Families Plan. Together, these plans will rebuild an economy where every American enjoys a fair return for their work and an equal chance to get ahead, an economy more vibrant and more powerful because everyone will be cut in on the deal. What in the world could that possibly mean? Except exactly what they do mean. This is communism. This is how regimes describe communist policy. This thing that we're going to do, no matter what, no matter how much you like it, even if you don't vote us into office, this is the thing we're going to do. And trust us, it'll be good for you, too. In fact, it's really only good for you. And it's not even good for us. We're just like so charitable that we're doing this thing. It totally hurts us, but it's good for the people. So that's why we're doing it. But let's see how they think of it in the UK. This is from www.gov.uk press release prime minister a new deal for britain prime minister boris johnson has set out the first steps in the strategy to rebuild britain and fuel economic recovery across the uk and mind you this was published a year ago june 30th 2020 this week the prime minister has set out the first steps in the strategy to rebuild britain and fuel economic recovery across the uk This government is committed not just to defeating coronavirus, but to using this crisis to tackle this country's great unresolved challenges of the last three decades, to build homes, to fix the NHS, to tackle the skills crisis, to mend the gap in opportunity and productivity and connectivity between the regions of the UK, to unite and level up. The government will build back better, build back greener, build back faster. And Boris Johnson actually the other day said that they're going to build back in a more feminine way. (laughs) Whatever that means. The government buildings shall all be pink and we will paint flowers upon them. We will invest in 
and accelerate infrastructure across the UK, promote a clean, green recovery, reform our planning system, and strengthen the union and local government. All of these changes will make life better for the people of this great country and unleash Britain's potential. The Chancellor will unveil more of this plan next week, and we will use the forthcoming spending review and autumn budget to set the direction for the rest of this parliament. Isn't it so great that all of these countries are telling their citizens the exact same things, using the exact same language, and that it's all going to benefit the people, even though the politicians don't want it at all? Hey, we really don't want this build back better, but it's what we have to do to restore the people's faith in government, to restore people back to the way they were before we destroyed their lives with this fraud of a pandemic. And thank goodness, Joe Biden is leading the way by doing exactly what all these other people want. We knew sooner or later it would be a good move to fake elect the guy who was mentored by a Klansman. Gosh, who knew it would pay off so well for the people? Transparent alternative uh, to the Belt and Road Initiative. And, uh, but in the meantime, we're going to move forward. Look, uh, I think it's always, let me put it this way. I know this is going to sound somewhat prosaic, but I think we're in a contest, not with China per se, but a context with autocrats, autocratic governments around the world, as whether or not democracies can compete with them in the rapidly changing 21st century. Okay, so right, China's not the enemy. The thing is, we just want to do the democratic same thing that China is doing, but we're going to do it and say it's democratic, which means it's good because we're doing it. So China is not the problem. The problem is with autocracies around the world. And so what is the definition of autocracy? Well, it's government in which one person has uncontrolled or unlimited authority over others. Okay, so I'm confused here because it sounds like he's trying to hint at Vladimir Putin and maybe Kim Jong-un. So we are meant to believe that Russia and North Korea are huge threats to the world, but the CCP and the global deep state and the World Economic Forum and the Davos globalists and the push for global communism and all of these fake leaders that are propped up by everything I just listed. None of that is the problem. The problem is Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong-un. But that's crazy because the real problem in this idea of autocracy is the extent of the control over the people. And everything that Joe Biden and all of these other global communists are doing has the specific goal of increasing their control over the people. It doesn't really matter if it's not one person and it's a group of a hundred people or 10 people or a sprawling federal bureaucracy. The problem is the control over the people and everything that Joe Biden 
and his global communist partners that he's leading. (laughs) The problem is the control. Everything they're doing is aimed at gaining more control over more of the people and more parts of the world. And it's always amazing to notice how these commies will continually admit to exactly the things that they're doing and just kind of try to spin them. You see, the problem isn't the global communism or the ridiculous COVID narrative or the very peaceful protest narrative or the fact that they stole an election. The problem is not any of those things. The problem is that other people are out there trying to stop them from doing that because everybody knows as soon as you call something democratic, then it saves the entire world. And I think how we act and whether we pull together as democracies is going to, uh, determine whether our grandkids look back 15 years from now and say, did they step up? Are democracies as relevant and as powerful as they have been? And I walked away from the meeting with all my colleagues believing that they are convinced that that is correct now, too. Not, I shouldn't say now, not just because of me, but they believe that to be the case. And so I think you're going to see just straightforward dealing uh, with China. And again, we're not looking, as I've told uh, Xi Jinping myself, uh, I'm not looking for conflict. Uh, where we cooperate, we'll cooperate. Where we disagree, I'm going to state it frankly. And we are going to respond to actions that are inconsistent. For example, we talked about trade. It's one thing to talk about whether or not our agriculture policy makes sense. Another thing to say, by the way, you're demanding that if I do business in your country, I've got to give you all my trade secrets and have the, the, the Chinese partner have 51% of that. No, not us. So are you saying, Mr. President, are you satisfied with what came out in the communique, or did you wish it were tougher? Do you wish there was more action on China? I think there's plenty of action on China, and there's always something that you can, I'm sure my colleagues think there's things they think they could improve that they wanted, but uh, I'm satisfied. Uh, Steve Holland, Reuters. And of course, Biden had his notes, note cards in front of him. He was reading off them the entire time. He did the third thing twice. And he's made it very clear that we don't want conflict with China. No matter what China does, they can steal our trade secrets. They can take over countries and territories. They're threatening Taiwan right now. They can release this pandemic and create the narrative about COVID. They can do gain-of-function research with our tax dollars. And they can keep 2 million Muslim Uyghurs in concentration camps. But the key is that we want to partner with them. That's how we make things better. Why would we want conflict with a nation that does all the things that Nazis do? That would be crazy. Like, what are we going to do? Go fight them? That sounds dangerous and scary. No, it's, it's much better if you reason with the Nazis and you try to make deals with the Nazis so that they realize how good our system is. And surely, as soon as they realize that, everything will be all better. They'll go right along. 
They'll become another great nation just like us. That's why we have to partner with Nazis instead of defeat them. Ladies and gentlemen, your fake president, Joe Biden. And you might have heard at the end there that he called on the next reporter. He had a direct list. And the only reason I'm telling you that is so that you can listen to this. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to get in trouble with staff. I don't do this the right way. Jennifer Jacob Bloomberg. There we have it. Old, degenerate, demented Joe Biden pretending to be president of the United States of America and also constantly being afraid that he will get in trouble with his staff if he doesn't answer the questions and call on the reporters the way they set up because they know he's going to get his cards mixed up and then he won't have answers. What he's doing tells you not only that he cannot competently answer these questions, it's telling you that the reporters are in on it. And this is all the time. The American president is supposed to be the leader of the free world. And Joe Biden doesn't even lead his own staff. He doesn't lead his own staff. This is not something I'm making up or saying or trying to like score points on. He does this all the time. Every single press conference he does is laid out exactly like this. Even Jill had to shuffle him off the other day and she makes a big show out of it. They make a joke about this as if everyone should just understand and be okay with the fact that the man pretending to be president probably can't dress himself in the morning. And the whole weekend was like this. It got just continually worse. He was sitting in a meeting with all these leaders. Boris Johnson had already introduced the president of South Africa. Then Joe Biden was like, hey, don't forget about South Africa. And Boris Johnson was like, yeah, yeah okay. I, I didn't forget about South Africa. And then Joe Biden cheers like he just did this great thing. Hey, don't worry, South Africa. I know your name makes it sound like you're all black, but I know you're white and I got your back. Just know that that Joe Biden never forgets about South Africa or any of the other Africas. Joe Biden's your guy. Joe Biden having Africa's back since 1965. And there's one last thing that I want to mention with this G7 stuff this weekend. You know, they spent their time staging ridiculous photo ops, bumping elbows, you know, because of COVID, and occasionally wearing masks. Justin Trudeau wore a mask on the beach to a photo op and elbow bumped everybody. So he got a trifecta, I guess. But then you can see them right after that photo op walking arm in arm down the lane like Joe Biden did with Emmanuel Macron. And they go to some little garden party where they're all shuffling about and trying to 
seem presidential around the queen. And in the background of these pictures, all the event staff, like the waiters and waitresses and whatnot, are all wearing masks. Now, you might think, well, the leaders don't need to wear masks because they're outside and they're vaccinated. And of course, you'd be right. No one who is outside or vaccinated needs to wear a mask. Also, no one outside who's unvaccinated needs to wear a mask. Also, no one inside, whether vaccinated or unvaccinated, needs to wear a mask because masks don't work. But nonetheless, all the staff were in masks. Are we supposed to assume that the staff was unvaccinated? Really? So if the staff was unvaccinated, that would mean that the people trying to vaccinate the entire world by force didn't bother to make sure that the people who were going to be waiting on them at this very important event were themselves vaccinated because otherwise they would be vaccinated. The staff would be vaccinated. And the reality would be that the leaders are just forcing all of that staff to wear masks regardless while they don't wear masks. And in any normal society, someone might think, well, that seems like an awfully slippery slope down to slavery. How much worse do they think that the staff is than they are? That's really the question here. They're making the staff mask up outside. Under th- and this is the assumption part for me but under the assumption that they are already vaccinated or how would they have that job in the first place? Because it would be awfully hard to justify trying to coerce the entire country into getting vaccinated if you didn't even care about staffing your events with vaccinated people, right? Or maybe they just are more open-minded about vaccination when it comes to the staff for their own events. Could be. I have a hard time believing that. So, What we have is these people who do everything for show, total frauds, each and every one of them, complete unabashed liars are hanging out at their little garden party, trying to look special around the queen while all their servants are in masks for no reason other than they're going to be that part of the photo op. They want to create the separation and let everybody know that the separation exists. We can't tell by their white shirts and black pants and their lack of suit jackets. But of course we can. No, we need to let the world know that these people are not on the same level and should not be viewed as such. And it's exemplary of how maskies think about all this masking in the first place. Like they'll do it themselves when they know that people might see them and need to take that message from them, that they're totally participating. And then when the photo op is over, 
they won't have the mask on, but they will make sure that the lower people continue wearing their masks. It is always a show of power. It is nothing more. It is one of the sickest, most reprehensible things I have ever witnessed. It's like on the same level as lockdowns. They're both just so awful and so dehumanizing. The level of control and the level of obvious disdain, they just don't care. So don't give me this build back better is for the people bullshit. They do not care about the people at all. You can see it in every picture they take and every word they utter. This is just nakedly evil. And it needs to be treated and responded to that way. It needs to be talked about that way. When people are telling you to mask up, they are not trying to protect anyone's health. They are enforcing a system of evil upon you that is designed to weaken you and make you obedient. Say no every single time. Say no. And if a person has a problem with it, you tell them exactly who they are and exactly what they're doing, and then you leave. Stop complying. And one last thing from G7 that is just almost mind-blowing, except in a way it's totally obvious. Jack Posobiec tweeted out yesterday that Justin Trudeau was overheard telling staffers at the G7 that he expects Kamala Harris to be president by the end of 2022. And this is per a White House official who was at the G7, literally overheard Justin Trudeau talking about how Joe Biden won't be president all that much longer. Fake president, I should say. So the prime minister of Canada is convinced enough to share it in a place where people could hear him that Joe Biden's fake presidency is going to come to an early end. Now, I think it's going to be much earlier than that, and I don't think Kamala Harris is ever going to be president of anything. But he just told you the plan. Now, let's switch subjects to the fraudulent election intended to make Joe Biden fake president. This is from the Georgia Star News today. Fulton County election official admits chain of custody documents missing for 2020 absentee ballots deposited in drop boxes. Got that? So the ballots that they ran through the machines and they said were from the drop boxes have absolutely no chain of custody documents in Fulton County. And this is likely true around the country. Now, remember, Mark Zuckerberg paid for these drop boxes. In a stunning admission about the critical chain of custody documents for absentee ballots deposited in drop boxes in the November 3rd, 2020 election, a Fulton County election official told the Georgia Star News on Wednesday that a few forms are missing <laughs> and that some procedural paperwork may have been misplaced. Got that? Just an error. These things happen. No big deal. A Star News analysis of Dropbox ballot transfer forms for absentee ballots deposited in Dropboxes provided by Fulton County in response to an open records request showed that 385 transfer forms out of an estimated 
1,565 transfer forms Fulton County said should have been provided are missing, a number that is significantly greater than a few by any objective standard. On Sunday, the Star News published a story which included the files containing digital images of the 1,180 transfer forms that Fulton County did provide. Those images can be viewed here, and there's a link. This is the first time that any election official at either the state or county level from a, battle, a key battleground state has made an admission of significant error in election procedures for the November 3rd, 2020 election. The admission of missing chain of custody documents by a Fulton County official is important for several reasons that cut to the very core of public confidence in the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. President Biden, fake President Biden, was certified as the winner of Georgia's 16 electoral college votes in the 2020 election by the narrow margin of less than 12,000 votes over former President Donald Trump, current President Donald Trump, out of a total of 5 million votes cast statewide. 12,000 out of 5 million was the difference. The total number of absentee ballots whose chain of custody was purportedly documented in these 385 missing Fulton County absentee ballot transfer forms was 18,901 more than 6,000 votes greater than the 12,000 vote margin of Biden's certified victory in the state. Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger has taken no action in 156 of Georgia's 159 counties to secure copies of any absentee ballot drop box transfer forms and review them for accuracy and consistency with reported absentee ballot vote counts. In April, his office announced investigations into three small counties that failed to do their absentee ballot transfer forms in the November 2020 election in compliance with rules and regulations. So there we have it. Again, 156 out of 159 counties. Brad Raffensperger didn't bother checking the, the absentee ballot transfer forms from the drop boxes. Okay, so the idea is that all the ballots that get dropped into these drop boxes they get picked up and they get transported to an election center where the votes are tabulated and then the ballots are stored for however long state statutes require. What happened in Georgia and other places is that the people who picked up these ballots from the drop boxes did not record their pickup or their transportation or their handing off of these ballots. So there's actually no proof anywhere that a real person put a real ballot in the drop box and that another person with accountability as part of the process picked those ballots up, took them where they were supposed to go. None of those records exist. Same thing in Maricopa County. And that's why the Board of Supervisors tried to pretend that the chain of custody documents that were being asked for were the ones from the tabulation center to the audit facility. Why would they need those? <laughs> they know the existence of those. They're concerned about the hundreds of thousands that don't have that. And that's what they're concerned about in Georgia as well. More than seven months after the November 3rd election, 28 Georgia counties have failed to respond to at all to the Star News open records request to produce absentee ballot Dropbox transfer forms. To date, the Star News has obtained absentee ballot Dropbox forms from 59 counties that provide chain of custody documentation for 266,492 absentee ballots deposited in Dropboxes during the November 3rd, 2020 election. 
which means that no chain of custody documentation has been produced for about 333,000 absentee ballots deposited in drop boxes out of an estimated 600,000 absentee ballots deposited in drop boxes. That's over half. As the Star News reported on Sunday, these absentee ballots are at the center of a lawsuit filed by Garland Favorito and eight other Georgia residents who have sued Fulton County to produce these ballots for a forensic audit. Henry County Superior Court Judge Brian Amaro ruled in May that this audit could proceed, but allowed the plaintiffs to review only the digital images of these 145,000 absentee ballots, between 75,000 and 78,000 of which were originally deposited in drop boxes and between 67,000 and 70,000 of which were sent via the USPS, were transferred from the centralized counting facility at the State Farm Arena in downtown Atlanta to the Election Preparation Center warehouse at some point after the counting of votes for the November 3rd election was completed. Fulton County subsequently filed a motion to dismiss the lawsuit and Judge Amaro put the audit on hold. Judge Amaro has scheduled a hearing later this month, that's on the 21st, to consider Fulton County's motion to dismiss the lawsuit and stop the audit. The admission of missing chain of custody documents came as a response to the Star News follow-up to Fulton County's incomplete responses to open records requests. And I'm going to jump down here because this is a bit long and the Georgia Star News has a habit of repeating itself quite a lot. But they have the good information, so it is what it is. As we review the documents provided to you in our daily log, we notice that a few forms are missing. It seems when 25-plus core personnel were quarantined due to COVID, due to positive COVID-19 outbreak at the EPC, some procedural paperwork may have been misplaced. Please feel free to contact me if you have any questions. Mariska Bodison from registration and elections. So that's, that's it. That's their excuse. It was just COVID guys. It was COVID. You see, the thing is we lost some of our core personnel because of COVID. And so now we don't have the chain of custody documents for just a few hundred thousand ballots, but it's only a few hundred thousand. I mean, yeah, Joe Biden only fake one by 12,000, but people were sick. What are we supposed to say? People were sick. So now we just don't have them. But we do know that Georgia was certified. Just fair and legal. Perfect election. By the law. Most secure election of all time. And ignore the fact that they're hiring criminal defense attorneys. And ignore the fact that Ruby Freeman and her daughter, Wandria Shea Moss, are on video defrauding the election. Ignore all of that. You see, the problem is people were sick. And then we had that whole pipe burst thing. Just people sick with COVID and that pipe burst. I mean, neither of those two things happened, but those are our excuses. And you're going to accept them because you don't have any choice. That's what they're really saying. 25% of the ballots in Fulton County do not have chain of custody. All of those ballots are illegal. Ballots without chain of custody are illegal and should not be counted and should not be included in the vote totals. But that's what they've done. Hundreds of thousands of votes. And that's coming out in Maricopa, too. It looks like from all the reporting since I ended my episode on Friday, there's around 250,000 missing ballots in Maricopa County. That immediately means they could just end things right there and know that Maricopa County's certified election was utter bullshit 
and that everyone responsible for it is a criminal. And again, I hope that we get some confirmation on this number. But OAN has reported it. Sidney Powell tweet, uh, sent a telegram message out about it last night. And she may have just been referring to the OAN report. Maybe the 254,000 that she noted specifically was not a correct final number. And maybe we won't get that number for another couple of weeks. That's totally possible. But people now do know the number because the hand count is over. And with as communicative as the people running the audit have been when correcting mistakes, you'd think maybe they'd be out there correcting this if it was, in fact, a mistake. But let's see what's up with Wandria, because a judge in Georgia has delayed the depositions of Wandria Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman. And there's a really interesting segment of the write-up about this. The plaintiffs said they consented to allow the depositions to be rescheduled until after a judge holds a hearing on a motion to dismiss the case, according to a filing submitted to Fulton County Superior Court. This agreement, the petitioners said, made a prior filing by the defense moot after attorneys for Fulton County officials asked the court to grant a protective order to postpone the depositions. Lawyers for the Fulton County, Georgia Board of Registration and Elections filed a last-minute motion to the court to dismiss the election fraud case brought by Garland Favorito and others before the forensic audit is launched. So they are apparently waiting until after the Favorito audit decision is made on the 21st before they will depose uh, Wandria, Wandrea, maybe that's it. Who knows? Who cares? Ultimately, this lady is a criminal who helped to steal the election. So I really don't need to respect the pronunciation of her name. But I don't see how the plaintiffs would agree to this delay in their depositions based on this other case unless they were doing that from a position of advantage. Like this seems to me like it may be a chess move because I'm not sure what other reason they would have to just simply go along and be like, yeah, okay, I guess we don't really need their depositions. I mean, we're talking about two people on camera committing election fraud like they have Ruby and Wandria dead to rights. They're on video. There's a transcript. They're screwed. But they're still allowing this deposition to be delayed. Which may well be in the interest of forcing the judge's hand. To carry forward with the audit rather than dismissing it like the communists want. It seems to me that if Wandria and Ruby were deposed, they would know a whole lot of things already. And then that judge might just be like, oh, well, they got that. That Wandria and Ruby thing going on. Maybe I don't need to press this case. Maybe I don't need to let these ballots out. Maybe we can just delay further. I'm trying to figure it out, by the way, as I go along as I'm sure many of you are. I don't know if what I'm saying right now is making sense. I hope it is. But there has to be a reason why the plaintiffs would be okay with this delay. And the fact that the delay is predicated on the other side of this case 
means that they must be operating from a position of strength to allow a delay on this side of the case. And so hopefully we'll know more about exactly what that is relatively soon. And now, before I go, one last thing has caught my eye this morning that I want to share with you. And this situation is ongoing, obviously. And as I've been saying, it's one to watch. Ex-head of Myanmar's COVID-19 vaccination program arrested. This is Reuters today. The former head of Myanmar's COVID-19 immunization program has been arrested and faces charges of high treason for colluding with the opponents of military authorities, state media reported on Monday. Now, again, all these articles are going to present the military as having staged a coup. But all the military did was make sure that an illegitimately elected person who is a Soros plant could not take power in their country. And so the head of the immunization program is an ally of Su Kyi. That's the background information that we need here. Myanmar's healthcare system and coronavirus prevention measures have collapsed since the army seized power on February 1st and overthrew elected leader Aung San Suu Kyi, whose government had successfully stopped two waves of the virus. (laughs) Isn't that incredible how they just described that? Like they're not the, the COVID regime in Myanmar has been torn down and they're saying that this is a huge crisis, that the military took away our health care system. No, the covid regime is not the health care system. The covid regime, the testing, the vaccination, all of that is bullshit. OK, we don't need that anywhere. In fact, if we didn't have that and we didn't have the retarded media and all these communist politicians telling us about covid all the time, no one would even know it exists. Honestly. There is a world that everyone can imagine where we just lived this whole time without the knowledge of a virus and literally nothing would have changed. Nothing. It would basically be like if we just went back and started calling Madonna by her given name. That's the only difference. (laughs) That's basically what we got. The flu was renamed and everybody went crazy and successfully stopped Two waves of the virus? What? What are they talking about? Every country has stopped the virus because the virus stopped itself, just like viruses do. Back to the article. On Sunday, reported cases surged to their highest since shortly after the coup. Wow. How did you figure that out? Were they destroyed healthcare system? <laughs> Doctors and other medical workers have been at the forefront of a civil disobedience movement, leading strikes that have paralyzed official and private businesses. Dozens have been arrested and hundreds more are wanted. Oh, that's so good. The doctors and the medical workers are leading a civil disobedience movement, parentheses, CDM. It's very official. It's almost like they must have gotten sponsorship from George Soros. Oh, yeah, they did. The Global New Light of Myanmar said Hatar Hatar Lin had been arrested on June 10th, and she was also accused of working with an underground national unity government. Oh. Well, that's interesting. So there's a shadow government 
run by all the people that George Soros was trying to put in office through election theft. And now they have this civil disobedience movement to support that fraudulent government that George Soros tried to put in. And George Soros is for sure funding that too. And then when you look up the underground national unity government, you can see these kids out there doing their protesting. And it's so great that all these kids in Myanmar write all their signs in English so that we can read them. So we're like, oh, yeah, these kids know what's up. And I can feel emotionally affected by this because I don't even have to look up what their signs mean. They write it in English just for me. (laughs) Imagine like Black Lives Matter going out there and them all printing their signs in Chinese. Actually, to be honest, I'm kind of surprised that they don't do that. According to her confession, she not only joined the CDM and formed the CDM core group together with the other CDM doctors and staff, but also colluded with the terrorist NUG, it said. But we all know that's wrong because that's the wrong perspective. The military is staging a coup against this illegitimate, not elected official, and they're the bad guy. Reuters was unable to reach her or any lawyer representing her for comment. The paper said she and 11 other doctors would face charges that included high treason, incitement, and colluding with an illegal organization. I can't wait till we get to this point, and I'm kind of jealous that Myanmar is so far ahead of us in terms of arresting all these horrific frauds. The junta has branded the NUG set up by supporters of Suu Kyi and other opponents of military rule as a terrorist group. Oh, it's probably because they are. The arrest of Hatar Hatar Lin and other doctors was condemned by U.S.-based physicians for human rights. Wow. Physicians for human rights? That sounds like a group of heroes. Wait, what's this? Open Society awards $8 million to physicians for human rights? April 19th. 2017 in the philanthropynewsdigest.org. Well, that's amazing. I wonder if any other place says it. Oh, yeah, they do. Let's check in with the Open Society Foundation's website itself. With targets on their backs, providing health care in conflicts without rules. This is February 8th, 2016. They had a, a live event in New York City. And the speakers... There were four of them. One was the director of the Open Society Public Health Program, which we are all currently victims of, if if you haven't realized. I'm not making this up when I talk about global communism and George Soros putting us into this ridiculous COVID regime. This is 100% them. Two of the people out of the four speakers are from Physicians for Human Rights. So what you have, once again, is George Soros trying to steal an election for one of his stooges whose foundations George Soros funds being caught in the act of stealing an election. And in response, 
George Soros funds a violent opposition, a shadow government opposition, and the organizations who report to the West about the conditions there. George Soros is the Myanmar situation. Every single bit of the Sioux Kyi regime and all of these underground people, the protesters, all of that is funded, supported, and managed by George Soros. That's why all the media and everybody like Barack and Hillary and all the other communists across the world are very, very mad at the coup. But the thing is, you can't stage a coup against an illegitimate government. Back to the article, I'll finish it out. Dr. Hattar Hattar Lin's arbitrary arrest is yet another sign that the military junta will stop at nothing in its war against Myanmar's health workers, said Jennifer Lee, an epidemiologist serving as the group's Myanmar researcher. And the group, in that case, of course, is the Physicians for Human Rights. So the Soros messaging here is that the arrest was arbitrary and a sign that the military junta will stop at nothing in its war against Myanmar's health workers. How can anyone be retarded enough to believe that? The 373 new cases of COVID-19 reported on Sunday was the highest since February 3rd, just before testing collapsed in the wake of the coup. Oh, testing collapsed. How did it get back? Or are we just being told that now there's 373 cases? Oh, no. Cases. Gosh, what is Myanmar going to do? I'm sure that COVID will be everywhere. Just stalking them in the night. If they stay out at restaurants after 10 p.m. Ooh, that COVID. It can pretty much do anything. It's so powerful. It can destroy election integrity. It can let the people of the world see how dangerous taking out a George Soros operation could be. Ooh, 373 cases. What are we going to do? Run for the hills. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. These people lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. 
Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm your moderator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. 